welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Hello. I feel like I'm in a boy band right now. I didn't realise that when I was uh, trying to learn during the week. And then you get up here, you're like, I'm in a boy band. Awesome. Uh, hi, I'm Mitch, if you don't know, and uh, I've got the privilege of bringing the word this morning. Um, Penny, are you suggesting I hold that one, eh? Just to, if I want to lose the boy band look, let's open this guy up. Um, hello, uh, I've just been on holidays for the last two weeks, so it's good to be here uh, today. Um, so to save you all asking me after the service, it was a great time. Uh, we went up to Palm Cove for a wedding and then to Townsville to spend time with my family, which was also with my parents, uh, which is great because you get free babysitter, free food, free accommodation, babysitters. Uh, so that's always a huge blessing. Pretty much the only reason to go there. Hello, Mum and Dad, if you're going to watch this back. Um, and hello to Grandad. I'm going to be sending this message to my 99-year-old Grandad, um, who became a Christian last year. And so I was talking to him on the phone. I'm like, I will send you this because I never speak. Uh, and so I thought that might be a good thing to do. Um, a quick testimony before I start. Uh, a silly testimony, but I think it's pretty cool. I was, did, we did a lot of fishing while on holidays, and just off the beach, just off uh, mum and dad's house, and one of the times we were all down there as a family, and I did something I never do, which is a very silly prayer. But I got Haven over, and I, I knelt down on the ground with him, holding my fishing rod, and we prayed. So we're going, hi, Jesus. That's how we don't do any of this dear Heavenly Father business because he's three. Hi, Jesus. Right now, I ask that Granddad, Nana, Daddy, and Mummy catch so many fish in Jesus' name. Amen. And instantly, my rod, instantly, it got off. But a few people down was Dad, and he, at the exact same time, he caught a fish one second after I did that prayer. Pretty cool. Yeah, but it gets better, Flora. It gets better. The next day, we're down there again, and I call Raya over, and I do the same thing. Get down on my knees. I pray with Raya, and if you pray with Raya, if you say in Jesus' name, you'll instantly get a amen out of her, whatever sounds like an amen. She just knows. She just says that. But even before I got to the in Jesus' name, my rod, straight down, even before I finished the prayer. And I'm not one who you know, praise for car parks or anything like that. But that, I thought that was pretty cool because we weren't really catching anything. And so I wheeled in, a, we, we brought in a nice little fish there, Raya, after we prayed, it was good. Uh, so that's my testimony of the holiday, very refreshing time. Um, but it's good to be here this morning. And let me pull up my notes. Awesome. So today we're going to talk about the table, uh, which I haven't done at all this year, uh, I don't think, and um, I'm going to touch on some points to do with that, but first let's just pray. Lord God, I thank you that you are here, as we are sung uh, many times, that you are here right now, and Lord, I just declare such peace in the room, that you open and prepare hearts, prepare my heart, prepare everyone else's heart to receive this morning what you have to say, Lord God. Commit it to you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So the table. Uh, yes, Hillary's still in here. It's good. Hillary, Hillary touched a little bit on the transition. I wanted to start with uh, just raising the faith and the expectancy in the room because what's the first thing when it comes to the table? What's the first thing we've got to do? And that's 
accept the invitation and sit down. And I feel like the key, one of the key things to going and sitting down at the table is just knowing who we are and knowing whose we are and knowing our identity in Christ. So I figured, I thought it'd be a great idea just to start by raising some, uh, some faith in the room and leading out some declarations. They're all going to be on the screen behind me. Um, so read along and just get built up in who you are in Christ before we launch into this message. Awesome. I'm going to read off the screen because I've got mine all in uh, self-language eyes. I can, I can change it in my mind. Here we go. I am loved. No, you are loved. You are accepted. You are a child of God. You are Jesus' friend. You are joint heir with Jesus, sharing his inheritance with him. You are united with God and one spirit with him. You are a temple of God. His spirit and his life lives in you. You are a member of Christ's body. You are a saint. You are redeemed and forgiven. You are complete in Jesus Christ. You are free from condemnation. You are a new creation because I am in Christ, because you are in Christ. You are chosen of God, holy and dearly loved. You are established, anointed and sealed by God. You do not have a spirit of fear, but love, power and a sound mind. You are God's co-worker. You are seated in heavenly places with Christ. You have direct access to God. You are chosen to bear fruit. You are one of God's living stones being built up in Christ as a spiritual house. You can always know the presence of God because he never leaves you. God works in you to help you do the things he wants you to do. You can ask God for wisdom and he'll give you what you need. Justin has talked many times uh, over the last year or mentioned several times over the last year about lists we have as a uh, people as humans on this earth how we've got our personal lists our work work life home life what we need to eat and drink to survive exercise leisure holidays all of these things and how we perform tasks and these tasks have outcomes and they can be good they can be great they can be terrible they can be not good uh, and it's really easy well one thing we've always got to remember with all these things is these outcomes and these tasks don't define us. It is who we are in Christ. You know, all these triumphant successes and the acquisitions of things and of wealth, they don't define us. And as do losses. Losses don't define us. The failures that we uh, incur, they don't define us. For me, personally, I, one of my core values is excellence. And... It's really, it's an important thing to me because I know what I'm capable of and I know when I'm not hitting standards or when I am hitting standards. And so let me just share with you an extreme example uh, of my view of excellence, somewhat, a little bit distorted, uh, of a story which I love to share with people of when I was in year six. This is me boasting so much, but I, but I want to share it. <laughs> I was really good at maths. Really good. And I sort of peaked at like year six, year seven, and then I sort of plateaued and then went downhill from there. But we had a maths exam, year six, end of year, it was out of 180 marks. So 95% gets you the A+, 100% gets you the A++. I don't know what grading system that is, but you could get an A++. So that was the target. And I got my results back, I was feeling great, and I got 179 out of 180. I was disappointed. <laughs> I was so expectant because I knew what I was capable of. <laughs> I, I'm distorting a little bit there, but sometimes for me, when we have... Hello. Okay. Uh, 
for, for me, when you don't measure up to that level of excellence that you set upon yourself, you can quickly feel like failure and you can feel yuck and shame can come. But God loves you for who you, for who you are not for what you do. And it's so critical that before we get to this table as we know who we are in Christ and whose we are, you know, while we're still sinners, Christ died for us, which is so important to know. And the scripture is uh, Jeremiah 31.3, and it reads, um, I've loved you with an everlasting love. I've drawn you with loving kindness. And I hold on to that dearly. Uh, as just a foundation of my life. You know, the arena of life, the things we do, the tasks we do, they don't define us. It's uh, not who we are in Christ. So with that established, I'd love to have a look at the table. I thought I was being clever by moving this table away so I could walk around and say, where do I put my glass? Okay. Let's look at the table, which is, uh, was it? I think it's, oh no, I didn't write it down. It's verse five, isn't it? You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So firstly, I'd love for us to visualize what the table would mean to David who wrote the psalm in 1000 BC. For me personally, I'm sure this is for all of you, you've got running water, you've got a fridge, you've got uh, access to shopping centers, fresh fruit, veg, meat, seafood, you've got access to all these things. So preparing a feast for you, for me to prepare a feast for you, I'd actually enjoy doing that, and it's not a hard task. I like cooking. And, but when you think about that a 1000 BC, that's not an easy thing. That's an extravagant thing to do for someone. And it speaks of a God of abundance, and Penny talked on this really well last week. If you uh, miss the message, they do get sent out, so listen back about the overflow and about how he is an abundant and generous God and so he's preparing this table of abundance it's not an easy thing it's an abundant extravagant thing that he's doing but one of the other awesome customs about that time 1000 BC which is um, where I sort of want to focus a bit on now is it was the obligation of the host to safeguard his guests from all enemies at any cost at any cost it was the host God's obligation that when he invited David to sit at the table that he was going to safeguard him from all things David often writes in the Psalms you know uh, 10,000 to the left 10,000 to the right surrounded and in this space, he gets to ignore that, put it to the side, because he's in a safeguarded place with God, in a place of abundance and safety. Let's just read some scriptures here. Psalm 46, verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Psalm 34, 8. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Psalm 27, 5. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in the shelter of his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his tent. He will set me high upon a rock. Psalm 91.2. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in him I will trust. Proverbs 18.10. The, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. We are safe and secure with him. And then 
what happens is we get to spend time with a God of intimacy. Once we accept where we are and who we're with and who we are and whose we are, we get to be close, surrounded, face-to-face with our loving Father in a place of intimacy. It's such a really cool image when you view it that way by David. One of the observations I have about this, this verse is why is it in the presence of my enemies? So in this context, what are we talking about with enemies? Like depression, anxiety, sickness, bad diagnosis, things like that, poverty, domestic violence, whatnot. So right now, I'd love to imagine that you guys are my enemies. I wouldn't want to be JD's enemy. He's huge. Uh, But we've got my enemies here. But how awesome would it be if God prepared a table for us in the presence of my friends? I think that'd be pretty cool. I was hanging out with my friends with Dave and Marg over here. Marg's offered to make me a lasagna for about the last 10 years, and she's never done it. She makes a good lasagna. (laughs) It's going to happen one day. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Justin sort of said two weeks ago, and I, I thought it was really cool, and I'm going to butcher it a little bit, but what's he trying to say? That as believers, as Christians, when we're facing trials, when we're facing these things, we should have a little cheeky smirk, a little side smile, knowing that in the trial comes growth, comes breakthrough, comes upgrade. It's a place to make things happen. You know, in the presence of your enemies is where things get done. It's where growth happens, and it's where the table needs to be. And then the second here observation I've got is that when we're at the table, in the presence of our enemies, what are our enemies doing? When we're sitting down, how do you, we've got, well, the chairs are gone, how disappointing. Sitting down. <laughs> uh, they have to watch. You're with God. You're with your Father. And a song that I love is uh, I Raise a Hallelujah. And the lyrics in it, I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. Tick. I raise a hallelujah, darkness has to flee. I raise a hallelujah, my weapon is a melody. I raise a hallelujah, fear you've lost your hold on me. That's not the order of the song, but there's some of the lines from it. When I'm face to face with the Father, when I'm adoring in awe of him, lavishing my praise and my worship upon him face to face in the presence of my enemies, they can't help but watch and see and go. Because darkness and light cannot coexist. When we're with the Father, darkness cannot exist there. And so by dining at the table in the presence of my enemies, my enemies drop, my enemies reduce. The power that they have is no more. They have to flee. They have to leave. This passage to me speaks of so much victory. And a little segue. It's not a place of cowering, cowering, of hiding, even though David does use that language at times, but I've used it as such a place. We go there for victory. We go there because that's the key to victory is seeing him face to face. There's victory when we go to the table and see him. I had a dream a long, long time ago when I was 13, 14, 15, early teenager. And I remember it so vividly to this day. And I was 
in my bedroom. Okay, I was in, <laughs> let me get my language here right. I was in my bed in my bedroom in my dream. So a bit of inception here. I'm, I'm in my bed asleep and in my dream I'm dreaming of myself in my bed going to sleep. So in my dream I, I'm in there, mum has said goodnight to me, has closed the door and has gone to walk walk upstairs. I could know it's here at this house. I could hear everyone go upstairs because my room was right next to them. And as she's walking away, I'm feeling my mouth close. And I'm feeling my bed get tighter. My sheets sort of wrap me up and then start sucking me in. And I feel like I'm sort of in, not sinking sand, but like that's the effect. I'm getting sucked into this bed and I can't talk. And in the dream, I hear this little sound of Jesus, 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 of myself to go, Jesus, 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 until I could talk and I was free from the bed. And it's, it's stuck with me because I, I don't, I wasn't in a dangerous situation. I had a very safe and secure upbringing. And so I'm not sure where this dream came from. But from then I've had this, you know, this really great understanding of the power of the name of Jesus that it really is breakthrough and saying it if you are feeling trapped say the name of Jesus you know to worship him say the name I remember one of um, one of my youth group leaders back in the day when I was going through a hard time his advice to me was when you're going through a hard time just start saying the name of Jesus just start saying the names of Jesus and because it is, it instantly refocuses you. You get the, the, the stuff shrinks all around. There is power in the name of Jesus. In Ephesians chapter 6, we have the armor of God. And it's pretty cool. Pretty cool, the armor. What, you got the boots, the belt, breastplate, shield sword, helmet, the armor of God. And I'm sure there are many people here, I'm one of them, who have a PhD as a blacksmith and are good at building their own armour. <laughs> can craft some good stuff, especially as an introvert, I'm awesome at armour. Um, but when we know whose we are and who we are, his armour is all the protection that we need. Some of us may need to drop our armour and put on his. his. And... Justin talked two weeks ago a lot about um, community and connection. And this ties in so well with, with community. You know, when we have opinions, feedback, criticism, comments come our way about what we do, our heart is protected by his armour. It doesn't change who we are. And we can trust in his armour, we can trust in God that he will protect us. And when there are things about who we are, think comments about that actually define our core nature, our core beliefs that come our way, we get to take that to the Holy Spirit and actually converse with him. Ask him, am I to take this on board or not? We can trust in his armour that he's got you, that he's going to protect you. I've really felt lately, I'm so thirsty, each time I come up here, I say, ah, next time I won't rust myself onto play, but I did, and I regret it. I don't regret playing. That was fun. That was good up there. 
thank you to the team. It was a good full stage. I loved it. Uh, I found myself lately uh, feeling an invitation from the Holy Spirit to invite him in more and more into the everyday simple stuff that involves other people, especially involving other people. And I'm someone who's very capable at doing things on my own. I literally work here. If you come here during the week, you'll see just me at that desk pretty much every day on my own. I don't see a human. I like working on my own. I can do things on my own. uh, And I can plan and strategize for my own. Thanks, JD. That's awesome. That wasn't my intention. You're a legend. Um, Now I've got to get back to where I was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But having the strategies to get the outcomes that I'm after or the best outcomes. But when I'm with others, I'm finding myself doing these tiny, micro, little prayers of God, not God, Holy Spirit, protect my heart, prepare my heart, prepare their heart. It's not necessarily even hard situations. It's not hard situations, it's just everyday situations. But inviting him, Holy Spirit, help right now. I'm trying my best just to lay down my own protections and my own barriers and my own, not the opposite of vulnerability, of being vulnerable and letting his spirit guide me in these times because it doesn't come naturally to me. So it's something I'm working on, just laying down that armour and picking up his. And to pivot a little bit here, this can be, it's really... It's really good when it comes to vulnerability. It's really important when it comes to vulnerability. Justin's mentioned many times, and it's a question that I always have to think when someone asks me, and that's the question of how are you? As an introvert, it's easy for me to go, I'm good, thank you, how are you? Just flip it right back around. It causes me to have to think. You instantly have to ask, I instantly have to ask myself, what do I actually want to say? How vulnerable do I want to be? How deep do I want to take this conversation? In every encounter, we get to choose our level of depth. And it's, it's okay for it just to be that answer of, I'm good, thank you, how are you? But it can't be that answer for everyone. And we get this chance just to lay down our own armour, pick up his armour and trust in him. We can be vulnerable with people and go deep with people when we've got that trust that God is there. He's our protector of our heart. We know who we are. That cannot be shaken. That cannot be rattled by the thoughts and opinions of others. And that's all I'm going to say about that topic. Other than, don't ask me how I am after the service, please. (laughs) My final observation about this table That's annoying, eh? Wow, I'm gonna have to edit out a lot of extra little noises. You have the famous quote, sporting quote line of the best offense is a good defense. Let's read some scriptures. Psalm six, verse two to three. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I am faint. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are in agony. My soul is in deep anguish. Psalm 25. Turn to me and be gracious to me. For I am lonely and afflicted. Relieve the troubles of my heart and free me from my anguish. Look on my affliction and my distress and take away all my sins. See how numerous are the enemies and how fiercely they hate me. Psalm 22. 
the chapter preceding Psalm 23. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insights, shaking their heads at me. King David, the awesome man after God's own heart, goes through stuff. He goes through trials. He goes through pain, hard times, wars, murder, betrayal. He goes through the works. He knows what pain and suffering is. And he knows what sin is. We read about his failures. He knows what shame is, deep shame. And, you know, I've just read three different Psalms here, but there are so many more that highlight these times of anguish and distress that he goes through. And in each and every single one of them, it goes on to say, or in the next chapter, it goes on to say, but he turned his eyes upon the Lord. But he looked upon the Lord, his fortress, his refuge, his safe place, his protector, his strong tower. He finds the table set before him that was in the presence of his enemies. He knows who he is and he accepts that invitation to go and sit down at it and be with the Father. And he, then he can trust that God is going to safeguard him in this place. He finds comfort in the Lord. And then he goes and does his assignment. He then goes to do his calling. He doesn't go to live at the table. He goes then to pass through on the way to his assignments. Whatever we are battling, internally, externally, the table is in the middle of the trouble. In the centre of the conflict, there it is. It may, a great song that we used to sing, it may look like I'm surrounded in the presence of my enemies, but I'm surrounded by you, God. We are told that we endure many trials, but, but you don't have a good defense. You've got the best defense, and you've got the best offense. You can do your assignment. You can do what you're called to do. I mentioned earlier uh, that this psalm speaks to me so much of victory. You know, we're not running to the table uh, with our tail between our legs. We're, we're going there to, to hang out with the general, the king of kings, the one who has the key that unlocks any situation. And the invitation is always there. You know, we just get to accept it. It's always there. In the middle of the conflict, there it is. In the middle of the trouble, there it is. You know, just know who you are, have that foundation, whose you are, and then sit down at it and marvel at God. Be in awe of him, lock eyes with him. Hey, Adelina, if you're still there. Oh, there you are. Hey. Know whose you are. Let's all, let's all stand up. And actually, I'll, I'll invite the ministry team to come forward also. What a team. Uh, I've definitely moved around a lot uh, in this message, touched on a few different things. I did a risky thing and I didn't actually think 
try to conclude my message. I wanted us to see what would happen. <laughs> if not, I will come back to a default ending. I loved, as she walks out of the room, he'll talk in there in the transition, you know, knowing who you are as a child of God. It's just pivotal. Knowing who we are in Christ. And I really felt, like, in my prep, I, I'm, I really felt the picture of sort of just this dome of, you know, almost like the dome of silence, like the dome of protection over us whenever we enter his presence, whenever we go to him. I felt like that was really pivotal to some people here in the room right now of call upon the name of Jesus, call upon that refuge, that strong tower, that fortress and go to it. There's little stuff, there's big stuff, there's always stuff. Call upon the Lord. So right now, uh, I've shared, I've shared several things. If some of this jumps out at you, if some of this resonates, if you need to chat to someone, this ministry team is here. Uh, they're great. If you need to know who you are, ask them. I'm sure they would love to prophesy over you and encourage any of you this morning. But just know God loves you. I've loved you with an everlasting love. I've drawn you with loving kindness. and that he is your protector. Lay down your armor and pick up his. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you so much for who you are and for all that you do for us, that you are my strong tower. that you died on the cross for us, that you love us so much, Lord God. May we have a fresh revelation of you as our saviour and of your love and of you as our proud and strong daddy who wants to be with us and guard us and point us in the right direction and give us wisdom and peace and joy. Thank you for how proud you are of all of us. And that you have such incredible plans and dreams and future for all of us. I commit everyone, uh, I commit this service to you, Lord God. I commit this message to you, Father. I ask that you bless each of us as we continue today. May we see you, may we be more attentive to the promptings of your Holy Spirit in the little and in the big. May you be our first point of call, Lord God. Thank you for today. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>